Hello, everyone. My name is Mike Lindstedt, and this is the Nehemiah Project podcast. I'm here with Chad Wiles. He is the Director of Education and Counseling at the Nehemiah Project. That sounds so official. I like well, it. You know? <clears throat> I we like got to have a title. That's right. We got to have a title. And I am the president and co-founder, along with Chad of the Nehemiah Project, mm-hmm. and this is our first podcast. And so today, the goal of our podcast really is to explain what the Nehemiah Project does uh, here in the community, in the local community of Mandeville and St. Tammany Parish. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to explain our process so that we're crystal clear to everyone listening um, as to you know how we carry on our ministry and then since it's Suicide Prevention Month, we really want to discuss how um, we as an organization mm-hmm. help people come out of that awful mindset and that awful sure. hole dark, of, dark place. of suicidal ideation. And so before we get too deep into it, we do want to introduce ourselves in a little bit more in depth. And mm-hmm. so I'll, uh, Chad, what brought you to Mandeville and... What is really your heart behind the Nehemiah Project and why has God brought you to the Nehemiah Project? Great questions, great questions. I'll start with um, what brought us to Mandeville. Um, I had never heard of Mandeville, Louisiana Mm -hmm. before um, coming here. And what what brought us on this journey was uh, planting a church. Uh, Many people that are listening know um, I'm one of the lead pastors at the Field Church here in Mandeville, Louisiana. Planted it with uh, alongside Pastor Sam Sprincioni and our families and a few other people that came down with us. And um, in that process, we were, we were just, our heart was convicted. We wanted to um, bring the gospel into very hedonistic cultures and places where just living for our passions and our desires and the destruction that can bring. And when you think of cities like that, you think of cities like Las Vegas, New Orleans, places mm-hmm. of that nature. And so when we were just praying through it, God put on our hearts New Orleans. And it wasn't until we came down and did some um, just research and meeting with some folks that we learned about the North Shore and God led us to Mandeville. And a few of the statistics that really hit us, and then I'll kind of talk about myself a little bit more, was the addiction and the suicide rates here in this area. Mm -hmm. Because when you look at Mandeville on the surface, it's beautiful. It's nice, great family town. Um, No one would ever think that, man, one of the crazy, like hardest places for suicide and addiction was here in, in the mm-hmm. North Shore in the Mandeville area. And so that really broke our hearts and one of the catalysts that brought us here. And then for myself, my background is in counseling, uh, specifically biblical counseling. I have a degree in psychology and then a master's in biblical counseling. And and I've always had a heart for um, helping people who are struggling through hard and dark situations, help them see how the gospel brings hope. And um, I always kind of had a dream of one day being able to open a counseling center that was that was biblical, that was biblical counseling, and, and to partner with local churches and and really help a community that's struggling. And so, um, I had never had that opportunity yet. And then when we were first here, our focus obviously was on the church plant and getting the church up and running. So it wasn't really God's timing quite yet, but it was just something that was always in the back of my mind. And um, started. I mean, with you for discipleship, you asked mm-hmm. me to start discipling you, and through that process, uh, we, we started this. And so I'll leave that yeah. part of the story. How about you share your I'll side of it? Up. Yeah, you catch up to me. Yeah, so a lot of people, like you said, listening, you know, know that you go to the field and know that I go to the field. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not from here, obviously. Uh, my story, if you guys are interested in hearing it a little bit more in depth, it's on our YouTube page at The Nehemiah Project on YouTube. But long story short, 
<clears throat> I was homeless six years ago. You know, the reason why I was homeless was because I burned all my bridges with drugs, alcohol, and destructive behavior. Mm-hmm. And I uh, was in a program in Los Angeles um, through an organization called the Dream Center. And about a year into that program, I met this girl named Mandy, uh, and she's from Mandeville. And Mandy from Mandeville. Mandy from Mandeville, right? <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I met her, and the program that I was in didn't allow me to talk to girls or l- even like really look at them, you know, for <laughs> periods that lasted longer mm-hmm. than five seconds. So I got in a lot of trouble for look for talking <laughs> to Mandy. Uh, but um, long story short, she is from Mandeville, like I said, and uh, we developed a you know a relationship that was a long distance relationship. Got to know each other really well. And um, when I decided, you know, I should say when we decided that we wanted to pursue marriage, um, mm. her her father made it you know pretty clear that it'd be the, the best thing would to be would be to move out here. Right. Uh, if that was something that I really wanted to pursue, and so I did. And, uh, you know, coming from downtown Los Angeles, Mandeville is like a beautiful, ha- you know, safe haven. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, downtown LA, if, for those of you listening who have never been, there's literally tents all over the street. I mean, it is, it mm-hmm. is uh, New Orleans on steroids, you know. Basically tent city. Huh? It's, oh, there's literal tent cities there. And mm-hmm. I've been to them. Skid Row. I mean, right. you talk about evil. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it, there's a thick presence there that is unfamiliar to about 90% of people mm-hmm. that, that we come across on a regular basis, wow. you know? And so, you know, I came here and I was like, man, this is a beautiful place. It's family oriented. This is such a blessing. And, mm-hmm. and it is. Uh, but then, you know, as I began to work as a personal trainer at Pelican Athletic Club and, and start to get to know people in the community, I started to hear things like you had just mentioned, you know, mm-hmm. uh, man, there's a lot of drug addiction here. There's a mm-hmm. lot of suicide. There's a lot of, you know, all of the basic things that I have been delivered from and, mm-hmm. <clears throat> And so, you know, one thing that I learned at the Dream Center for sure was is that my life is not so, my life is not about me increasing my standard of living. Mm-hmm. My life is about God's glory mm-hmm. and other people. Mm-hmm. And so I knew pretty instinctually that I had been called here for a reason, mm-hmm. you know, and um, sharing the gospel as a personal trainer was obviously one of those reasons. Yeah, But- you know, as you and I started to meet and 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 we started to read the book of Nehemiah, mm-hmm. God really began to to make that vision a little bit more clear. Right. As to Michael, I brought you here to to share your story and to help people to pull people out of the fire. Yeah. And so that's that's really, you know, where you and I mm-hmm. intertwined, so to speak, and yeah. our in our ministries now have have joined. You know. Right. It was kind of crazy. It's, it's funny looking back at all the different ways God pulled it together. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we even started meeting, I'd went on vacation. Uh, what was it? Has it been a year and a half now or a year ago? Something like that. Yeah, it's been about a year and a half. Um, we were on vacation hanging out uh, in Florida. And I just started thinking about this dream again of counseling or, you know, whatever. And had kind of a picture of what I thought it could be and so I'd, I'd even drawn it out on my iPad and all this stuff yeah and um and when I came back you know that was around the time you're like hey you want to do discipleship and it was like yeah man that's cool so I remember showing it to you because mm-hmm. I knew you had a heart for that kind of stuff and then when we picked the book of Nehemiah I wasn't even thinking about like that that counseling um center or whatever I, I just really 
have always enjoyed that book and thought mm-hmm. it'd be a cool one for us to to walk through together. Right. Um, lo and behold, it was some of the best, you know, foundations for what we were going to do. Right, so, right. so it was really interesting, like things that I didn't, obviously you, hindsight's twenty twenty. put the pieces together. Right, you know? right. Um, but, I always kind of like, I've understood life to be only understood when you look back. You know what I mean? It's yeah. live going forward, but it's understood going backwards. Right. And it's so clear how God has brought you from Kentucky, me from California, and all the other people that are involved with this project. It's not mm-hmm. just me and you. Um, but it's, it's so clear how he, you know, he can use anybody. Oh, you yeah. know? And he will, he will move you across the world mm-hmm. or across the country right. to, get, to get his vision done. Mm-hmm. And you know, our purpose at the Nehemiah Project is, is pretty simple. I mean, really what we're trying to do is heal people holistically, mm-hmm. right? And establish a hope in their future. And the way that we really do that in a nutshell is mm-hmm. by showing them who God is, mm-hmm. both through the word and you know through our, our actions. Right. Um, and so obviously you've kind of mentioned it, you're a biblical counselor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what are some of the, the, the differences you know, for, sure. for people out there listening, I think, yeah. I know for me, certainly, like if it wasn't for all the experience I've had in recovery centers and mm-hmm. in counseling uh, as a counselee, mm-hmm. then I would not know the difference. So tell, sure. can you just kind of briefly just tell us what are some of the differences and the nuances between mm-hmm. secular counseling, right. right? And biblical counseling. Yeah, let me explain it this way. There's, I think there's three big questions that we all are looking to answer and I think if we talk through these questions, it'd be easy to see the difference, right? First question is, why are we here? How'd we get here? You know, um, how were we created? That's been one that's debated constantly, right? The creation story of God created everything biblically or the uh, Darwinism, Big Bang theories, all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of different origin stories. And so yeah. constantly trying to figure out why do we exist, Right. And then um, what are we supposed to do here? Meaning like our purpose, like what's man's purpose? Mm -hmm. All of us trying to figure out the meaning of life. What's all this mean, right? And then the the last question being what happens when it's over, right? What's, Mm -hmm. you know, and and if you really look at our entire world, those three questions really drive most of science, discovery, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Like that's what man's constantly trying to answer those three questions. Well, psychology is a science. It's an observational science, um, a social science, if you will. And so <clears throat> there's, there's a lot of similarities, but here's the main differences. The foundation of psychology is founded upon Darwinism, which would say there is no God. And so it follows the creation story of the Big Bang Theory, single cell organisms were basically made up by chemicals, body parts, mm-hmm. you know, uh, came from all these billions of years of evolution and so on and so forth. Minute changes over enough time equals human exactly, beings. Exactly, exactly. So where I would agree with psychology is in the observational science side of, they do a really great job of observing behavioral patterns mm-hmm. and being able to put those in some categories that help understand, okay, if someone's really struggling with anxiety, here's, here are a lot of things you'll see. Mm-hmm. 100%. That, those I agree with most of those things, right? The difference is, is when we get to the the fix, what's the cure of that? How do we fix those things? If you look at psychology, there's 20, 30, 50 different approaches to how do we, how do we help solve that from behaviorism, Freudianism, uh, chemical imbalance theory, uh, 
uh, family. Um, I'm blanking on it, but basically where your environment, the family dynamic has, mm-hmm. has caused this when you need to fix the family. Like, is that like the nature versus nurture kind that, of thing? That debate as well, right. Okay. So it's, um, like a, it's like a conglomerate of all these different I- right. ideas. Yeah, everyone would agree, okay, when this is going on, this is some things that we see. Yeah. But then you're going to have a, a ton of different ways that someone may go about how do we fix this. The difference between psychology and biblical counseling is that we believe that we were created by God mm-hmm. for a purpose. So we answer those questions. Why are we here? God created us. And what are we supposed to do here? Well, we're created in, in his image to spread his image throughout the world. We have a purpose. And then and then the afterlife is to be with him in eternity, mm-hmm. right? And so we're able to answer those questions. So the, the reason why we're able to offer hope and purpose in a much more substantial way is because we have an answer to those major questions. Right. And so when we're approaching a subject of anxiety, which is fear, the unknown, instead of helping someone cope, we're able to say, well, those anxieties are real fears. Like there are things to be afraid of or possibilities. But the way that we settle those anxieties through trusting in our Heavenly Father who is mm-hmm. in control of those things. Mm-hmm. And so we find peace through trusting God, you know, that, that sort of thing. Really practically speaking, cognitive behavioral therapy is the closest thing to what biblical counseling looks like. Mm-hmm. That's what the Bible prescribes as the way to counsel through issues. Through the recognizing of belief, renewing of the mind, putting on the right uh, choices and actions, and those lead to the correct emotional responses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cognitive behavioral therapy. And so if you want to understand, if you understand psychology, that's what we do, only the belief that we are replacing mm-hmm. is the biblical belief through the scriptures right. of God. And just from like my experience, right? Like I was in mm-hmm. like seven different programs roughly, you mm-hmm. know, some for a little bit longer than others. But, you know, I went to a lot of secular programs mm-hmm. and the 12-step model, which is, you know, a very, very popular model, um, right. it'll help you get sober for this life, help mm-hmm. my dad get sober and stay sure. sober for this life. Right. Um, but for me, you know, it was like, I, I hate myself mm-hmm. and I'm not gonna, I don't think I can find the answer within myself mm-hmm. to fix these right. problems. Right. And so, you know, AA, obviously you have to, you know, first acknowledge you have a problem, mm-hmm. which is very similar to the Christian ethic, which is you have to understand that you're a sinner, right? <laughs> right. right. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and then, but more importantly, you have to find a higher power, right? Mm-hmm. And so for me, that was another point of contention in the Alcoholics Anonymous model because- I'm, I am, I'm given the freedom to just sort of choose the God of my own understanding, which right. I think, and this isn't a bash on AA, but I think it just automatically sets me up to assume the, the position of judge. Mm-hmm. What right? God is right. And so for me, when I was in Alcoholics Anonymous, that was a, a huge issue. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And Besides, you know, step number four is you have to do a spiritual and moral inventory of yourself, mm-hmm. which I was incapable of doing, if I'm just being 100% honest. Right. Because I hated myself and I didn't want to look in there, right? Mm-hmm. So when, when I got to a Christian-based program, a faith-based program at the Dream Center, all those questions you mentioned, you know, mm-hmm. where did I come from? Why am I here? And where am I going when I die? Mm-hmm. I opened up the Bible and I started to read it. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand everything initially, mm-hmm. but that was okay. I just had to keep reading it, you know? And it was the work of the word that 
ended up answering all those questions. Mm-hmm. And the 12-step model, it, it, the, the word filled all of those things abundantly. Mm-hmm. The spiritual and moral inventory that I just right. mentioned, like the Bible told me exactly what was wrong with me. I'm <laughs> right. broken. I'm totally, a sinner. Totally depraved. I'm t- I, I have no good in myself and, I, and I'm not gonna go mm-hmm. looking for God by myself, right? right? I mean, it, and it wasn't esoteric, it wasn't cryptic and it wasn't hidden. Yeah. I mean, what is it? I think it's Psalm, um, Psalm 12, no, Psalm 14. Mm-hmm. The fool says in his heart, there is no God, right? right. And right. Paul in Romans three just quotes the heck out of that. Right. And, and when I was just reading that, look, I'm not a very smart guy, right? I'm just gonna read it like meat and potatoes, kind of like my <laughs> buddy Evan says, give me the potato head version. Like it just says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. He is not searching for God. There is no one that does right. good, no, not one. And so those things resonated with me because my actions and decisions up mm-hmm. to that point had clearly shown me that mm-hmm. that's, that accurately described me. Mm-hmm. And so- all of my actions and, and, and beliefs that I had before Christ, mm-hmm. those were very harmful, mm-hmm. right? Because those, like you always say, right? Belief drives action, right? right? And that is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Um, and the very first thing that we do at the Nehemiah Project mm-hmm. is listen to the individual. And, I, and right. I want you to tell us a little bit about our process, our three-part yeah. process and how the work of the word is mm-hmm. really the foundation of everything Absolutely. we do. And you call that dur, I think you call it. The dur, yeah, that's how I remember our process. It's dur, it's that simple, right? D-E-R, and we're gonna get into that. <laughs> right, our process is we wanna dismantle uh, harmful beliefs or false beliefs. We wanna establish the new correct belief upon the gospel because belief drives everything. Mm-hmm. And then we restore through the putting on of the word of God and walking that out and living in the hope of the gospel. And we see that in Ephesians chapter four. We get that, that's not that's not like a special um, to us. We didn't, we didn't make, make that, that up. up just so that you're saying, well, what's your authority? Well, we get this from Ephesians chapter four and many other places, but we see it clearly here. Um, and when you talk about starting verse 17, he says, so this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk. And in scripture, um, that just represented people who followed the ways of the world. A right? Gentile is someone like a non-Jew in, in the right. perspective of the Bible. And so the way to say it is a non-believer, someone who doesn't right. believe in God, you know, in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they have him and they, having become callous, have given themselves over to the sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as the truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self. So that's that dismantling, right? That darkening of of your heart, the futility of the mind. And listen, I don't have to convince anyone that when it, when it comes to the ways of the world, that there's all kinds of depravity happening, right? Mm-hmm. And we all feel that way. When we put ourselves in the place of God, we do the things that best um, serve us. And we think that we have everything under control until it goes out of control, mm-hmm. right? That futility of our minds, right? But mm-hmm. he says in verse 22, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, dismantle, which is being corrupted in accordance to the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed, established in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, restore, 
which is in the likeness of God that has been created in the righteousness and holiness of truth. Mm-hmm. So in layman's terms, we uproot and see the roots of sin and we understand that the wages of sin are death, Romans 6.23. And Ephesians 2, uh, 1 through 3 tells us that we're, that we're totally depraved, that we are... Um, that we're dead in our trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the power, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now working, the sons of disobedience. Among them, we all too, um, that we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even, even as the rest of mankind. Mm-hmm. That is who we are because of sin, that's that's the best that we can do is mm-hmm. do the best that we think that we know how to do, but ultimately, it's sinful <laughs> and it doesn't lead to holiness. It doesn't lead to uh, hope. Right. It just leads to depravity. And um, one thing I'll say there, uh, and this will kind of bleed over into our suicide talk a little bit, but when you look at the stats, it's kind of alarming that the highest peaks of suicidal attempts and death are in the high school range, age range, mm-hmm. or the middle-aged man range. Like Is that for 40, all 50s, of the U.S.? Or in Mandeville, in, in, in our area. Um, so high school kids and middle-aged men. Right, and, I, and I'm sure um, that probably follows a trend that we see other places too, mm-hmm. but just looking in here because, and that makes so much sense. As a high schooler, when you're growing up and you, your world is small, and when you feel like you have no friends, you feel like you have no purpose, you don't know what's next, you, you don't know what you don't know, it's easy to get in that place of hopelessness and despair. Mm-hmm. But the craziest one is the middle-aged man, especially in this area, because in this area, it's a very affluent area. Many people have the American dream. They got the white picket fence. They've got the, you know, two kids, and, and, and they got the boat, and they got the cars, right. and they got the house. They got success. Everything the American dream offers, Right. And they are the ones that are, are contemplating suicide most. Why? Well, here's my theory. You see in Ecclesiastes where Solomon has everything. Mm-hmm. And at the end of his life, what does he say? It's vanity of vanities. Mm-hmm. None of it means anything. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's easy to have purpose when you have a carrot you're running after. Mm-hmm. You can get very distracted. You can, you can build your own purpose. You know, I'm going to be successful. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. What happens when you catch the carrot and you eat it and you realize, now what? Right. I don't have any purpose any longer. Right. And I think for that range, I think that's what we're seeing most. I think that's why we're seeing that pop up. Absolutely. And it's that that whole idea of no matter what we do in this life, even if we make a good life for ourselves, it's empty. Right. It's empty without God. And so we want to dismantle that. We want to. Right. We want to uproot those sinful beliefs. We want to replace it, establish the gospel, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We want to tell people about, man, the ways of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Mm-hmm. That because of sin, we're separated from God, but we were created to know God. And when we put our faith in Christ Jesus, we are renewed. We were, we were made new. We were brought right. back into a relationship with God because of Christ. And our purpose is restored yeah, I want to I want to talk about that for a second because yeah, one of the things that totally rocked my world when I was you know uh, early on in my in my new life, you know, the, mm-hmm. my true life, my yeah. eternal life, because that's a little side note is like your eternal life doesn't start when you die; it starts the second you come into that's Christ. Right. It starts the second right. you say yes, Lord. Yeah, Second Corinthians know, five seventeen. You're a new creation. You are a new creation. So my eternal life began about five years ago when I made that when when God 
drew me to himself, right. opened my eyes, saved me. Mm-hmm. And by no means did it become like this uh, super moral, peachy, you know, perfect life. It, <laughs> right. I tell people all the time that my life didn't get hard till I became a Christian because my conscience began to be renewed. My mind mm-hmm. began be, to be renewed. Whereas before, when I just made a decision to steal or to mm-hmm. get high or to lie or, or any of the things that were my coping mechanisms before, mm-hmm. I had no frame of reference. Like my, my conscience was seared. Now mm-hmm. I'm regenerated, right? The Bible talks about regeneration. The Bible talks about putting off the old man and putting on the new. And now I, I have an understanding of what God's expectations are for my life. And so my, uh, the thing that rocked my world was there was such an emphasis in my own mind on performance. Mm-hmm. Am, I, am I doing what pleases God? Right? It was all mm-hmm. based on like, am I doing, am I doing? Mm-hmm. But I didn't understand that God made me not just to to worship him, right. but to enjoy him. Mm-hmm. So to know God and to enjoy God, right. that right. is my purpose. And that resonates with a lot of people because mm-hmm. they've never heard that. They yeah. go, wait, I'm supposed to enjoy God? Right. Yes, right. you are supposed to enjoy God. And the way that we do that is mm-hmm. through a loving relationship that's based on truth. Right. Jesus equates love with obedience. Mm -hmm. John chapter 15, go read it. I'm not gonna quote it because I want you to go (laughs) read it. (laughs) He equates love with obedience. Mm -hmm. And as a rebel at heart, Mm -hmm. right? I was a child of wrath, just like the rest of mankind. That's what the scriptures say. And that's what my experience tells me. Right. As a rebel, Mm -hmm. I cringed when I heard the word obedience because my perspective of it was totally wrong. And essentially there was a dismantling of my own harmful patterns of thinking mm-hmm. yeah. that was done. Cause the program I was in, bro, there was no counseling. Right. It was, you had to read the Bible and go to work. You know what I mean? <laughs> and and so yeah. the, we believe that the, that God is capable of doing whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. But, but we also do believe that we can help you. And, mm-hmm. and we have that conviction that, that through our biblical counseling ministry, we can guide you in a way that is ultimately, um, less harmful, you know, because dude, I relapsed a lot, mm-hmm. right? Cause no one was guiding me, dude. No one taught me how to, t- how to read the Bible initially. I had to like, right. God sovereignly put those things in my life. Mm-hmm. And so our process at the Nehemiah project, it comes from the expertise that, that Chad and, and our other counselors have learned through their academic experience and through their own life experiences. Mm-hmm. And it also comes from, you know, my experiences as a person who's walked through programs and got, man, like, if someone just taught me how to actually read the Bible, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And, and like what the tools are that there are for right. interpretation. Right. So we offer those things, but ultimately our, our entire goal is to restore hope in an individual's life. And it is our conviction. And it's not just because we feel this way, it's because the Bible promises this, that if you have a clear understanding of who God is, mm-hmm. it's absolutely impossible not to have hope. Right. And so with it being Suicide Prevention Month, mm-hmm. ultimately, Someone ends their life. I can tell you why I wanted to end my life because I did. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm on record saying that to many of my old friends. Yeah. Now I didn't do it through the, the conventional ways, I guess you would say, like, you know, the things that most people think about when they think about suicide. Right. Overdose but I, or- Well, I did or, it through that, that's for sure. But well, I'm saying through, like taking like a ton of pills at once or maybe going for the, the hanging or right, the shooting. Right, I didn't want to say it because they're so gnarly, yeah. but- Hey, listen, if we're going to talk about yeah, it, we're going to be real it. talk, you that's know? Right. But- the reason why I felt that way, and it was just a feeling. I mean, mm-hmm. these feelings came and they went, you know, mm-hmm. 
But the reason why I felt like that is because I had absolutely no hope for the future. Mm-hmm. I didn't know who God was. And I, and I certainly had no concept of enjoying God. Mm-hmm. It was all self-centered. It was all self-focused. Right. My experience in psychology, secular psychology, was all about self-actualization. Right. Become the best you possible. I'm like, well, what if I hate who I am intrinsically? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's no good inside of me, right. you know? But, but the Lord Jesus opened my eyes right. and he said, no, 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 son, I love you. Come to me, all, all of you who are weary and who are heavy laden, right. and I will give you rest. Right. And that's what he gave me. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And, and, and going back to the, the steps program, you know, like the 12 steps and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Although they're, they're very helpful in the behavior modification, and they're, they're really good at helping people find a better life now. Right. 100%. But they don't solve the issue of need an identity and hope and worth, right? Mm-hmm. And really you're just slave, you're turning in one slave for another. Um, I'll turn in the slavery of addiction or I'll turn in the slavery of of whatever addiction I have or, or whatever for these, for having a better life, having a better um, uh, relationship with my friends. and The Fellowship you know. of Alcoholics Anonymous. It becomes a complete right. dependence upon the system, the program. But then you're enslaved to the program. Absolutely. You know? And that caused problem in my father's and my mom's relationship. Right. I mean, you know, just because he wasn't getting high or getting loaded anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, my mom said that, hey, I want a guy who's going to raise my son. Yeah. You so, know what I mean? So there was no real freedom there. Right. There's no solving the issue of the heart. Right. Right, in that. And only Christ can solve the issue of the heart. He can only answer that question of why am I here? What's my purpose? Why was I created? That identity issue, um, which is found in Christ Jesus, that, Mm -hmm. man, we're given a new identity, right? Yes. We're sons and daughters of God, not because we're good, Mm -hmm. not because we've earned it, not because we followed some path or some religious path of we've done this, this, and this, and so now God likes us. Like you said, it's... It is sovereign grace. It is, it is unmerited favor that just because God loves us and he sent his son Jesus to die, that anyone who puts their faith in Christ is made a new creation. Right, and we have to understand this about God. Mm-hmm. Like God is the only uncreated being right. in all of the, in all, all understanding, whether it, you know, it's, it's the spiritual realm or the physical realm. Right. Nobody created God. God is a creator of all things. So mm-hmm. therefore- no one has authority over God. Right. And there's nothing that I can do to win his merit unless he wants to give it away that way. But that's not what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. It says that he wants to give free life away simply because he made the decision to give it away. Mm-hmm. And he also provided the ability to do it through his son's sacrifice, mm-hmm. through himself. Right. And, and in a nutshell, what I want our listeners, if this is the first time you're hearing the gospel is, this life's not about us. Mm-hmm. It's not about you. And that's a freeing statement. Yes. Um, but what it does is when you put your faith in Christ and now you have true meaning and true purpose through Christ Jesus and you have that relationship with God, now not only do you have a purpose, but now you have confidence. Now you have peace. Now you have that rest mm-hmm. that Mike's talking about. Mm-hmm. And and you're able to move forward and be used by God for a much greater purpose than serving yourself. Yeah. And that's where we're restoring the, mm-hmm. the things of life. And so I want to talk a little bit about the holistic side of it, Mike. Yeah. Because one thing we say at the Nehemiah Project is everything's spiritual. God created everything. Therefore, everything is, potential, is spiritual 
either for sin or for mm-hmm. glorifying God, right? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it to the oh, glory of God, for the glory right? Of God. So <clears throat> we approach um, helping someone restore their life in a holistic manner, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I primarily take care of the heart side, the internal side, mm-hmm. um, the belief systems and all that kind of stuff. But talk a little bit about some of the other things that we offer um, mm-hmm. for people who are in our counseling um, program. And I just want to say real quick, well, we can explain more later about our whole thing, but go ahead. With so the, the holistic the holistic part of our model it primarily consists of two other parts. It's, it's the physical training and then the communal aspect through our Saturday seminars and through a um, relationship with a local church body mm-hmm. primarily. Um, and so anyone that comes into our uh, addiction program or our, our recovery program, as we'll call it, mm-hmm. um, it's a 12 month long program um, that is very in depth. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we also provide counseling services that are apart from that 12 month long program, mm-hmm. but our 12 month program is our, is our bread and butter. And in that program, you get individual and group counseling, you get daily Bible homework, you get education through our Saturday seminar classes, you get community in a local church, um, and you get accountability with consistent support from your accountability or mm-hmm. from your, uh, recovery advocate. Mm-hmm. But then the last part is, is those workouts, that, that physical training. And we have a gym um, on our, or in our facility. And the way that we, uh, the way that I leverage my skill set is through programming for people through an app called True Coach. Mm-hmm. And with this COVID pivot that everyone's really had to undergo in terms of their, you know, the fitness, the fitness realm, mm-hmm. you know, fitness apps have become very, very normalized now. And mm-hmm. so people are going to receive workouts. They're going to work out two to three times every single week, depending on their you know, fitness level mm-hmm. and their ability. Um, and, and in those workout sessions is really where we get to start to transform our ability mm-hmm. to stick it out when things get tough. You mm-hmm. know, <laughs> I can use my own experience, you know, training for, um, you know, my, my best squat was 500 pounds. Okay. I'm not going to sit here and toot my own <laughs> horn, but my, my best one rep max back squat was 500 pounds, right? And that was yeah. two years ago. And training to hit that number took me 18 months, you know, mm-hmm. or really, I, it really took 14 years to, mm-hmm. to build the strength, right? But then specifically training to hit that number it took 18 months of hard work. Mm-hmm. Did I feel like doing it every day? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Did, I, did I feel like living a disciplined life in the kitchen? Not all the times. People that know me know I love cookies, <laughs> <laughs> right? But, but one of the ways that physical training really, really aided in my own recovery and still does is it, teaches me how to make hard choices that don't feel good, mm-hmm. right? Because before, when I was using, dude, mm-hmm. I, stopped, I stopped working out. And I love working out. I, I, I love playing football in high school, playing rugby in college. When I started using and drinking heavily and, and went through some severe depression and anxiety as a result of many, many things mm-hmm. that have happened in my life, I stopped training. And the science is so clear now about how physical training helps with mood disorders, mm-hmm. anxiety, depression, bipolar. Mm-hmm. You know, physical training in the right dosage can help to really, really accentuate the counseling that the people in our program are receiving, put you in a better state of mind. Mm-hmm. It will, there's so many cool things and right. I could sit here and talk about it forever in terms of gene expression and, and all kinds, but practically speaking, mm-hmm. it really does teach you how to set a goal, mm-hmm. how to work really hard to attain that goal. Right. And that's gonna help you in your spiritual life because right. like Chad said, at base, 
everything is spiritual. Mm-hmm. Everything physical is passing away. Right. Right. You can gain muscles and they'll go right away. Right. right? And, right. and eventually we're all going to pass from this world. Mm-hmm. But at base level, everything is spiritual. And, and the mind is very, very important when we mm-hmm. talk about the connection between the spiritual and the physical. Mm-hmm. The mind is like the battleground where all these things occur. And without sounding overly spiritual and, and esoteric, I mean, really, if we can help someone set a goal in the weight room mm-hmm. and that goal is 12 weeks away and that person makes the decision in their mind to put off all right. the other things that they want that will hinder them from reaching their goal. Mm-hmm. And then they reach their goal in 12 weeks. Now they just learned something huge about their own capacity, right? right. And so that's really why we decided to include personal training really mm-hmm. in our holistic program right. is because we do believe that you need someone there to help you, mm-hmm. a professional to teach you how to move in the gym to keep you safe and, and someone there to encourage you and I love Absolutely. doing that. I love encouraging and I love teaching. And I get to do that at the Nehemiah Project. Absolutely. Because if God created our bodies, he created, a, he created us to work, created us to move. There's a reason why all even secular research will show you that what's one of the biggest um, helps for things like depression and anxiety? It's working out. It's moving. Working out. Because of even the neurotransmitters and the dopamines and the serotonins that it naturally produces that's being... Uh, usually artificially given through drugs, alcohol, mm-hmm. even things like sugar, right? Because addiction we help with is more than just that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, eating addictions, pornography, anything that's controlling your life, um, mm-hmm. we help with in the addiction realm. But as Mike already alluded to, the Nehemiah Project's not just an addiction recovery place that we also uh, handle every other counseling issue mm-hmm. that you may have. So... If you're thinking like, man, I'm just depressed. I don't know if Nehemiah Project's for me. Absolutely it is. We mm-hmm. have we have uh, counselors that help with de- any life-controlling issue of depression, anxiety, suicidal ideation that we're mm-hmm. talking about today, mm-hmm. so on and so forth, and or marital issues. We do marriage counseling, mm-hmm. uh, premarital, and um, any sort of marital struggle that, that's right. going on. And so um, we want to help um, serve the entire community. Um, and the, the workout... Uh, part of our program isn't just for uh, the addiction recovery either. Um, there's a a package that you can add on if you're in our if you're doing a once a week counseling for depression, and if that would fit to help you, that's that's available to you as well through our right. through our program. And so, moving on then specifically to what's going on with mm-hmm. Suicide Prevention Month, just some basic stats. I mean, obviously these stats came out before COVID hit. Um, and so keep that in mind. But we mm-hmm. have, according to the CDC, there's been 50,000 deaths annually in the United States that result from suicide. Wow. Suicide. That suicide, doesn't count all the attempts that didn't end in death. These are successful. These are successful. These are 50,000 individuals taking their life annually in the United States mm-hmm. of America. It is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States of America. The best country on earth. Mm-hmm. This is the 10th leading cause of death. Mm-hmm. And Mandeville, for the past four years, has had roughly 7%, a 7% higher suicide rate than the national average. Mm-hmm. And again, we kind of hit on those, the two groups that are, that are a part of that, but right. it, it comes, is a massive problem. Right. And when it comes to Louisiana, the North, we're, we're in the highest area. Right. And I did actually see, this is just coming back to my memory now, uh, the CDC put out a report post-COVID lockdown mm-hmm. that basically just 
showed all of those numbers are just higher. Right. Um, Every mental illness issue. Right. I posted that on my, my Instagram. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, one of the, the main uh, groups of people that the Nehemiah Project is trying to help are those individuals who are struggling with suicide. So the question for you, Chad, mm-hmm. as you are the, the head counselor, is what value do we bring t- specifically to someone that is struggling with suicidal ideation mm-hmm. and how do we implement our process? So pretend that, I came into the program, mm-hmm. right? I'm struggling with suicide, suicidal ideation. I've tried to take my life three times unsuccessfully. Mm-hmm. Walk me through day one right. of that counseling session. Yeah. First thing that I'm going to try to understand is why. Uh, I want to do it as gently and as lovingly as possible, but I got to figure out why is it that you feel like taking your life is mm-hmm. the best way to go? Um, so I got to discover you know, the, a lot of those same questions. Is it purposelessness? Is it hopelessness? Is it circumstantial? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to, you know, in our intake process, we're going to gather information about maybe any drugs or anything that you're taking that could be mm-hmm. leading to that. Because by the way, if you're on any psychotropic drugs, one of the the uh, biggest side effects is suicidal ideation, <laughs> which right. is ironic for depression medication. It makes you yeah. want to commit suicide. It's, yeah. It's crazy. I mean, and you may hear this and be like, that's crazy. Look it up. Oh, dude, I remember hearing the the infomercials (laughs) for Lexapro and I was like, wait, hold on. When they do that really, really fast side side effect thing. Oh, yeah. Wait, hold on. Suicide? So I'm going to, I want to discover why first. Um, I can't really offer the why without the why. Mm -hmm. And and my biggest goal is to help you see why, right? Because when you're in that situation, when you're in the pit of it, you're, you're blinded. You're, you're a one-track mind. All you can see is the only solution is out, right? Mm-hmm. And that's usually temporary. Um, and so I want to sit, sit back with you and help you see, first, discover why that's happening. And then I want to begin to help you look through and solve the issue um, biblically of what it is. Um, and one thing I'll say is I don't expect everyone that comes to our uh, to the Nehemiah Project to accept the gospel or believe in Christ or anything like that. Um, my first goal is to help get you safe. And so um, as much as I'm going to show you why the Bible is true and help you see that what you really need is um, is the gospel, at the same time, I want to help put in some practical things for you in the short term to make sure you stay safe. Absolutely. That, so that we have time to process through that. We don't believe that you can force anyone to believe in the gospel. Absolutely not. So that is not our aim. Right. But at the very least, we're going to work through the principles of the Bible mm-hmm. uh, to help you see how this is this is um, most helpful mm-hmm. to you. So if the issue is purposelessness, I want to talk through why you feel like you don't have purpose. I want to help you figure out where purpose comes from mm-hmm. and help you define that and then begin to walk through um, however long if, you, if you're willing because I can't counsel anybody that doesn't want to be counseled, right? Right. Um, if you're really in danger, but you have no desire to get counseling, I'm probably going to um, call the police or ambulance, and you're probably going to do a 72-hour hold just because I want to keep you safe, <laughs> right? <laughs> but hopefully, um, you're coming in and you're seeking help, and we'll set up a, a process of uh, over the next few weeks, months, Mm-hmm. to help really work through um, the issues of your heart and circumstances that are leading that way. Now, assuming that I am someone that wants to get help and I'm, mm-hmm. and I'm here and, and you've listened to me for the first day and, and mm-hmm. I've just laid my heart out uh, and I've accepted you know, the fact that, all right, 
I'm going to do the 12 month program. Mm -hmm. What are the first 12 weeks, right, of the of the curriculum? Right. Really, what is the aim of those first 12 weeks? Because that's very foundational. It's very, right. very important. So what is the aim of that first 12 weeks in the curriculum? First 12 weeks is establishing belief, uprooting wrong belief, establishing the right belief, right? Mm -hmm. And so I believe everything, like what you believe is what you do. Mm -hmm. I think biblically that's true. And I think even if you don't believe in the Bible, uh, I can prove that to be true. I think psychology even shows you that in the research, right? What you're believing is driving your feelings, your emotions, and your actions, Right. So example, if I don't believe you, that's going to cause me to immediately cross my arms in my body language right. and dismiss everything you're saying. Right. 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 Exactly. <laughs> example. I mean, example. <laughs> right. I usually give the example too. I was like, okay, listen, if I were to bring a big bag with me into a crowded room and drop a big snake out in the middle of the floor, yeah, you're going to watch a lot of different belief systems all at once, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Some people are going to be climbing the walls, jumping through windows, right? Because right? they believe that that snake that is going to kill, kill them. Some people are fascinated by snakes, have an education on them, mm -hmm. and they may take a step back, but they may hang out and just be like, oh, that's a that's a python. That's right. a, You know, and they, they may think it's cool. Like, the belief drives the action every right. single time, right? Um, and the same thing in the counseling room. And so I want to help you establish and understand what you believe because most people don't even realize what, what they believe about themselves, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like you, you're in hindsight looking back, but at the time when you're feeling suicidal, I don't know if you knew that you didn't like yourself or believe in yourself or whatever at that time, like to be able to like articulate that to yourself. Mm -hmm. But essentially you had a belief system at the time that mm -hmm. your life is worthless, that it, life is not worth living. That and there probably were other ones. Uh, you've you've so many. You've shared with me one time where you felt like the reason why your parents got divorced was because of you. Right. Right. Those core. As a two-year-old, I thought that. Right. As a two-year-old could barely speak, I thought Absolutely. it was my fault. Absolutely. And so those core beliefs drive those feelings and those actions, mm -hmm. and we're trying to fill those voids or, fig or figure out how to make those things happen. And when life and circumstances or things aren't aren't satisfying those desires then the inevitable is, well, this life's not worth living and I'm done. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the escape. That's the escape. Right? So my first goal with you is, hey, let's, let's help you discover what you truly believe. What, your, what are your fundamental beliefs mm -hmm. about life, about yourself? And then let me help reorient those to the truth. Mm -hmm. in, in and that's like true. the first four weeks of that 12-week curriculum. Absolutely. Showing the human yeah. heart, right? Exactly. And then who God is and how we were designed right. to worship. And, and then we work out from there to things like, um, forgiveness and mm -hmm. repentance and all these things that, that we need to do. And then the rest of the time really is is beginning to learn to walk those things out yes. and, and, and deal with those things. And honestly, what we're trying to do is teach you how to counsel yourself over time, right? And that's really what, if, if, if when I began to renew my mind in mm -hmm. the scriptures, mm -hmm. I always take it back to me because I, I, I'm a recipient of this type yeah. of care. I, I think it's great. You know, and, and I just speak from experience, you know? Right. Uh, as I began to renew my mind in the scriptures, like Romans 12, two talks about, you know, mm -hmm. do not be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right. That, what he's talking about there mm -hmm. is you got to understand the power of God, which is the gospel. That's mm -hmm. the whole book of the first eight chapters of Romans. Mm -hmm. And so as I began to, to daily get in the scriptures, daily pray the scriptures over me, mm -hmm. daily increase my understanding of who God is, who, why I am here and where I am going afterwards, my life began to take on a totally new form. You know, Absolutely. the new person, as the Bible says, right. comes out. And so those 12 right. weeks is really 
aimed at showing you all those mm-hmm. foundational principles. Absolutely. And you redefined truthfully who you who you really are. Right. My right? mind was renewed in the truth. Absolutely. Built, there, was, there was a foundation right. of truth built. Absolutely. And just to give kind of a uh, an armchair uh, definition of the heart mm-hmm. real quick for people listening, the, the human heart, when the heart talks about uh, in, in scripture, when we're talking about the heart, we're talking about the inner man, mm-hmm. our, our cognition, our thoughts, our beliefs, our affections and desires, our feelings, right? Why do I want what I want? Why do I, you know, mm-hmm. this, that, and the other. And then our volition, our, our choices into action. Those three things make up the inner man. That's, that's who we really are. Right. The rest is just flesh and blood, right? Mm-hmm. But the funny thing is the world looks at it in the opposite direction, that because there is no God, then then the the flesh, the chemicals within us must be the most dominating right. reason for who we are. I need to control the chemicals so I can right. have the best experience right. that's the most pleasurable. Right, and that, that's a belief. You just hit it. One of the driving forces of belief right now that we fundamentally are grown up in or told is that we're supposed to always be happy. Always. And so if I'm not happy all the time, then there's something wrong. And I need a pill. Right. <laughs> I need to, I need to increase or decrease the chemicals. Right. There's there's this uh, there is this false notion mm-hmm. of the static feeling in life that you're just supposed to be like you Absolutely. said. Absolutely. And it's not true. Right. It's not how we it's not how we experience reality. Right. But that's what we're we're taught growing right. up that Disney, you know, happily ever after, mm-hmm. you know, the Constitution, the pursuit of happiness, right? Mm-hmm. And and I'm not against the Constitution or I'm not saying that it's not bad to to want to live happily ever after necessarily, Absolutely but it's not, not reality. That's not how we're created, and that's not the truth about life. And if if we're experiencing sorrow, if it's proper sorrow, that that's a that's a real human emotion, and that's okay. We're not broken mm-hmm. if we're struggling through sorrow. Um, you know, the Bible talks about Jesus Christ as being a man of sorrows because when he mm-hmm. looked upon the world, he saw the brokenness. And and honestly, as Christians. We should be sorrowful. We should be sober-minded yeah. at the reality of, of the eternity of, of man without a relationship with Christ. Like, that breaks my heart when I hear those things. When I hear those things of, man, we just, we just, I just want to be happy. I, I hear that, but a lot of times that breaks my heart because that's usually the wrong pursuit. Right. What I want to help you see is I want you to be joyful in the Lord. I want you to have peace that's beyond understanding that only comes from God through worship of him, it's not about you being happy. Right. Right. And, and, and so it's, it's a fi- that fine line. It's tough to understand, but, yeah, but that let down, I think suicide and depression and stuff is raising in our culture because of that fundamental belief that we're supposed to be happy. And so when we don't have that euphoric life or when we don't look like the Instagram model that we see, right, right. then, then we feel broken and we feel worthless. And another thing that feeds in, into this and in my, and it's just my experience. And I, I think it's, I think this is an accurate statement. We're not going to start bashing culture, but there is this this kind of quick fix culture that has, mm-hmm. in, in many ways, I think it's just a natural push. You know, we, we don't want to experience pain. We don't want to mm-hmm. experience long suffering, right? We right. don't necessarily like working hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's just been this quick fix mm-hmm. kind of culture that's that I, I've really seen since in my 32 years of existence mm-hmm. really spring up with technology. And, and technology is awesome. I Look, yeah. I love my iPhone. Don't get me wrong. Right. But I think we were made to work, man. The Bible, <laughs> dude, okay, I'm gonna just do a quick Bible study. Crash lesson in, in what Adam did when he was made. 
He worked in the Garden of Eden. Right. This dude had eternal life. He lived with God in, in, in a mm-hmm. perfect relationship. Mm-hmm. And he was working. Right. He wasn't sitting on his in his rear end up in heaven no. you know, with a little halo over his head. The no. dude was working, tending Absolutely. to the field. And so Well, God's a creative God and he made us in his image. Therefore, right. we're built to create. Right. We're not built to just sit and and, and, working, and working's hard and working on yourself mm-hmm. is extremely hard and facing, you know, I'll use the proverbial saying, you know, facing your demons, mm-hmm. right? That's really hard. Mm-hmm. And honestly, if I'm just being 100% clear with, with, with you, we're not capable of facing our demons alone. Mm-hmm. But that's again, where the gospel comes in and, and specifically to people who are listening to this who might be struggling with suicide, mm-hmm. dude, open your heart to the Lord, man. The Lord has said he will never leave right. you nor forsake you. Mm-hmm. And, and take it from a guy who, is, who has experienced some of those things that you yourself are experiencing mm-hmm. right now, maybe. Look, the Lord is true and he is faithful to complete Absolutely. his work. Absolutely. And I've, I've dealt with um, depression myself, times where I felt really down and low. And mm-hmm. what Mike's saying is absolutely true. And we'll, we'll leave you with this. You're not meant to do it alone. That's right. why we exist. So right. if you are struggling, if you're feeling, man, I don't know what to do, that's okay. Let us help you. We want to help you. You don't have to do it alone. Right. Let someone come alongside you, bear that burden, and help you walk through it. Um, but there's nothing more satisfying than facing the realities and working through it and seeing God <laughs> deliver, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, the la- and, and take it seriously. Yes. If you're feeling this way, don't, don't just keep shoving it off, but take it seriously and seek help. Reach out. You can, you can reach us at tnproject.org. Um, our phone number's there. Our, our email's there. Sh- shoot a quick email to our intake director, Laura, and we'll get you in pronto and help and mm-hmm. begin helping as soon as possible. We're posting things on our Instagram and Facebook's, uh, Facebook accounts daily, things that will encourage you, things that will help guide you in, in the direction of peace, mm-hmm. guide you in the direction of life. Right. So thank you guys so much for listening to the first podcast of the Nehemiah yeah, Project. First of many, hopefully. Yeah, we are going to be coming uh, with more podcasts, clearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so please stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening to the Nehemiah Project podcast. For more resources about addiction recovery, suicide prevention, and overcoming other life-controlling issues, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and visit our website, tnproject.org. If you or someone you love is struggling, don't hesitate to reach out to us by calling 985-205-3022.